Welcome to this week's edition of An Hour of Your Life. We're not alone in quarantine anymore. But we're still being safe. I don't know that that's six feet, but it's close enough. Hi, my name is Kim. And I am Steve. And we have not one... Not two, but three, two and a half special guests with us this evening. If you hear a baby cry, it's all right. We'll ask our our guest to. It's little Maggie May. She's fine. Feed her. I'm sorry. (laughs) Feed her. Feed her. She's a girl. Uh, So we have a very. uh, I'm excited for this show. We have a couple of guests with us tonight. One of them has been on the show before. Um, we have welcome back Pamela to the show. Um, she was with us before to talk about um, insurance. If you listen to that show, uh, we, we get a lot of good positive feedback from that show. And so we invited her back again today, but in a slightly different context. Uh, it's Pamela has four little girls and has chosen to um, do online school. And we'll get into why. Yeah. Um, and then we also have our friend Jess, who is actually kind of coming at it from the other side of things. She is an administrator at a school, um, and her school is a little bit different. Well, and we'll talk a little bit about her school, but her school is a little bit different because it was more, it was a lot of online stuff to begin with, but now it's, um, I guess, probably completely online. Well, well, we'll get I'm sure it. she'll explain that. Yeah. But let's go ahead. We just thought this was a very relative topic, and it'll be something that if this podcast lasts for years and years, people will go back and say, wow, this, this is what we were right doing. Now. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is how we had to do this. So let's, let's go to Pamela first as the parent. And you had some decisions to make about what to do because you've got two that are about to start school. So you had some big decisions to make about whether to do, and we'll let you explain like what hybrid school was and how it's all going to work. So I guess maybe let's start out with how old are your kids first of all? So I have four daughters. The oldest turns 12 next month. She's a sixth grader. So she was starting middle school. I have a second grader who's seven. And then I have twin five-year-olds that just started kindergarten. And so what were the options for you as far as starting them in school? So our school district followed what most of the schools in the county did. We um, we had the first, I think, three weeks was hybrid if you chose to go in person. Um, and then it's just a normal, regular in-person schedule. And then the other alternative was committing to a semester out of time of online school. Can you explain what hybrid is? Sure. So the hybrid, um, it wasn't an option. It was for all the kids that opted to go in person, but the school did like a a delayed start where they brought in half the kids and then they cleaned the classroom and then they brought in the other half of the kids. Wednesdays were like the teacher planning reset day. And so I know you had to make a decision of what to do and that was was difficult. And what led you up? What were your choices and what led you up to do that? So the two choices for our school district were either in-person or completely online. Um, I was very committed to going in-person. Both uh, my husband and I work full-time. I actually travel. Um, And then it was probably the week before we had to submit the decision that we sat down, really evaluated what our capabilities were, and then we um, kind of on a whim decided to do the online portion. Um, There was a lot of factors that went into that. And really the biggest thing was that because I I travel the other two and a half days, I I work from home. So I do have a little bit more ability and flexibility to be um, at the house with the kids. And then we also have Kim right down the street who's able to help in the mornings. And we also have right now um, actually one of uh, a teacher that's able to to come in right now with her schedule. So she comes in part-time three days a week and covers when when the rest of us aren't. So um, not every parent has that ability. Um, and I just felt like if, if I do, I should try to at least test it out. If nothing else for the kids that, um, their parents can't do that and it would help lessen the burden on teachers and those students. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Was there one overriding factor that made you decide to go online? Um, the biggest overriding factor was, um, with our school district being so small, we're one of the tiniest in the area. Um, a couple positive cases would potentially shut down the school. Um, and we all knew that was a real threat and had seen that for um, out-of-state schools that had started sooner than ours around here. Um, so I just wanted to give my kids a little continuity that we weren't scrambling for last minute um, for how we were going to 
set our kids up um, if that happened with both of us having um, pretty demanding jobs. So we were able to predict a little more if we already had them home. And I <clears throat> was there ever a question about whether to um, send the oldest one to middle school and then keep the younger ones home? Or was it all like all or nothing? So for us, it was all or nothing because selfishly, I need that middle schooler home <laughs> because she's, um, she the can w- log on that Chromebook. She can, yes, yeah, she's very versed in the Chromebook. So she's, um, she's been a huge help with the little ones. If, um, I'm stuck on a conference call or, um, you know, there's four kids. So if one of our, one of us are helping the other kids, she can jump in there and, um, navigate. And, and I, I'm embarrassed to admit she's taught me how to use a Chromebook. <laughs> She's taught me how to download Google Docs, and these are all things that I, I don't work with on a regular basis. So uh, I had to learn through my through my eleven year old. Yeah, what's that been like? I I know the the kindergartners probably weren't they know how to use iPads, but they don't really know how to use computers very much, right? What's that been like? Um, it it hasn't been like. <laughs> <laughs> so watching a five year old try to use a mouse pad is. Um, Adorable and, and infuriating <laughs> at the same time. So, what about the typing? Like, how does that go? They don't type. Oh. Uh, they can log in, and, and they're kind of learning hunt and peck. But um, I mean, a five-year-old doesn't know home row or how to keyboard. So, it, yeah. Oh, it's, do they know their passwords? They do know their passwords, and they can't read either. So, like, it's hard. No. Like, you can't really leave them instructions. No, I will well, say that would be a failure in preschool. Uh, well, we won't go there. But I, I will say the other day I was watching this seven-year-old try to type something, and it was excruciating because she kind of takes she, she's she's kind of like the sloth child anyway. She takes a long time to do anything anyway, but she is beyond just hunt and peck. Like it's search and slowly reach out and gently tap it and then slam it down. Yeah. I try to remember when we learned typewriting, but I feel like it was more emphasized for our generation because computers were becoming, and Jess can probably talk about this more, but she hasn't really gotten into the mechanics of typing. And you forget that a second grader, we know they're so good at technology. They can pick up an iPad and whiz right through that they can navigate netflix but they they haven't used a a laptop essentially before how often does a second grader sit down and type a paper that's true so are you sitting now saying to yourself yes and i don't mean that in a bad way because one of the local districts in fact the district that just works in no no i don't work in that different different (laughs) district what you said was your biggest concern that just happened so the school started and because of so many positive COVID cases amongst the teachers and they don't have enough substitutes, they've had to shut down the school now for two weeks. So yeah, that Jess, kind of, you were, what were the numbers that you were throwing out? Um, I, I think that I heard that there was eight to 10 teachers that were exposed um, to the one individual. So they were going to have to find that many subs to cover for the 14 days. Right. And, which is something that like, that's kind of something that I thought too, is how is that going to work? Like the, I really think that sub shortage played a role in some of the the decisions that districts made throughout the Mm. state as well Mm -hmm. when they decided if they were going to go in-person hybrid or do solely online for that first semester or even quarter. So how difficult, what are the requirements in the state of Ohio to be a substitute teacher? In Ohio, you have to have a bachelor's degree and then you also have to, uh, I believe it's been a while, I used to just take my bachelor's degree down to the school and they gave me my teaching, not even license. It just said, cool, you can sub. Um, but you have to apply for a, st- a state substitute teaching license through ODE. Jess, can you explain what your job is right now? What do you do? My job right now is um, I'm currently an administrator at an online dropout recovery and um, credit recovery and dropout prevention high school um, in the Fairborn area. We service local districts. We don't do statewide like some online schools do. Um, we have kind of a model where kids come into the building and have a building where they can get some assistance. And typically they come in on days that they're assigned. Um, so that was a real challenge when we got shut down this year is our building was, we were told we weren't allowed to have anybody in our building period. Hmm. So Pamela, when, when <laughs> school, Margaret, she's, she's having a snack. <laughs> when, uh, when school shut down in the spring, how did your kids react? Was it something cool, something different? And Jess, a lot of these questions we're going to follow up like from Pamela's perspective as her individual kids versus what you see as 
district wide with a with an entire population. Definitely. So I feel like I can't speak for the the masses because um, I'm coming from a very fortunate standpoint with our situation when things closed out. Um, our kids, we were moving out of our house anyway, um, and we had to find temporary housing. So it was nice to have them at home and not have to try to work out transportation and things that we didn't have to do before where we lived. Um, and then also because Joe and I work in healthcare, we had stability that a lot of people didn't have. And then um, I was lucky enough to get sent home right around that same time. So I was working from home completely. Um, I already had Kim here that was watching the, at the time, preschoolers and my two big kids. So um, we really, um, it wasn't a huge adjustment for us. It was kind of adventurous. Um, our, our school district at the time was amazing. Um, my second grader at the time, first grader had a, a brand new teacher, but she really just dove right in and, um, took it seriously. Like a lot of the horror stories I heard about that didn't happen to us. We had a school district that was very, very good and very quick to react. They gave us the Chromebooks quickly. Um, so I, I, I don't feel like I had the same experience that a lot of people did. How, how about the kids? How would, how did they react to this? Did they, was it a big transition or there's like, Okay, now we do this from the house. Um, they were more, they're pretty easy going as far as the transition. I, I think the hardest thing for them was more the situation that we knew we were leaving the district because we were building in a new district and they didn't get the chance to say goodbye to their friends. Oh, yeah. um, other than that, the learning portion, um, the fifth grader at the time, it was nowhere near as demanding as it was for her in class. So I think she was probably relieved. She got off a little easier than normal. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the middle child, she's pretty... Um, she likes, she's a very, she's very self-sufficient. She, yeah, she's self-sufficient and she's very independent and she would be content to sit in a room by herself all day anyway. <laughs> so, um, for her, it was more aggravating to be around her sisters all the time, but, yeah. but the learning piece of it, she, she took that very quickly. And I, I want to talk about the kindergartners. What's that been like? Because I feel like so much of kindergarten is learning how almost like learning how to learn in a group setting. And when you take that group setting away, it, it probably has got to be a lot more challenging than like what in-person kindergarten would be. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a wild ride. Um, and I'm very grateful that I have, um, someone that's a lot more qualified than I am to help me. Um, our, our sitter is a teacher and she's certified in K through K through 12, but she likes teaching elementary. Um, so she really just jumped right in and She's helped. She's like a magical unicorn. That she K is. through 12 certification yeah. is so, rare. So I have, a, I do, I have a unicorn at the house to help me, but kindergarten, man, um, it is not meant to be online. And the curriculum we have, we were, both the sitter and I were talking that it's not really geared towards a kindergartner. Mm. They're learning things like friction. And they're learning, um, what else? Yeah. Can they even say prepositions? Prepositions and and, and things that even my second grader hasn't gotten to. So, um, they can't even say preposition. They cannot say preposition. So it's, it's really, it's easy because I can pick up the content and, um, you know, help them with it because it's, it's not my sixth graders math work. It's, it's, (laughs) it's ABCs and one, two, threes. But, um, but some of these, the concepts they're introducing because it's online is a lot more, I think enriched because it's not that social setting that they're really mm. adapting to. So it's, it was a shock. <laughs> I'm having flashbacks to sixth grade English. Uh, my, my, my teacher was Mr. Mullins and all we did the entire school year was the Warner's book of English where we underlined the subject once, put parentheses around the prepositional phrases. And then we, we we diagram sentences and that's all we did. Like that's all I remember from the entire it sounds sixth, like a nightmare. It was diagramming sentences. And that's, what's even that's worse, intense for so, a sixth grader. So my dad was a principal in this district, and he had enough seniority. He was one of the guys that went out and recruited and hired teachers. And it wasn't until years later that I found out that my dad was the one that actually hired it's Mr. Mullins. So it's your dad's fault that you had to use the Warner's <laughs> Book of English? The Warner's Book of English. I'm really curious uh. what it's like being working parents, especially, I mean, Jess, you too, because I know, Pamela, your job um, is a lot of work online as it is, right? Like you do a lot of computer work. So it wasn't quite as hard to shift to home, but I'm sure it was with four kids at the same time. And Jess, I would think you the same way. Like, what's it like to try to be a mom and a 
an, uh, you know, an employee or a boss, both of you are, are in, in leadership positions. What's that been like? Uh, well, I mean, I'm not sure about Pamela. I think for me, my kids didn't want me at all, at least in the spring. I mean, I'm on maternity leave right now, so I, I don't really have meetings. Because but, of her? Yes, because of the, the half here. <laughs> um, but nobody needed me until a Zoom meeting would pop up, and then it was all kinds of hell would break loose. Mm. They would be in the, the screen, they wanted to wave hi, and then it's compounded by the fact that the parents and or the other teachers that are in the meetings with you thinks it, think it's cute, so then they're like, oh, they're so adorable. And then you're like, oh, no, don't tell them that. And then it's every time the Zoom comes up, they're like, all right, it's my time to shine. Right, yeah. Let, yeah. Me, let, me, let me follow up with the question we asked Pamela. But I want to, f- because Pamela had her experience with how her kids reacted or acted reacted to this. Jessa, you saw from a different perspective because you saw a much larger population. If you could generalize if, I don't know if you can generalize, but how did your students react to school shutting down what March and going home? So I think that the the first obstacle was that the governor used some really poor terminology when he first shut us down mm. by saying we were having an extended spring break. And for high schoolers that don't like school to begin with, you hear extended spring break and you think, all right, I'm not doing any schoolwork. Yeah. Um, But then we were quickly told as an online school, we're just to run as normal, which was fine. So most of our stuff is online. Um, I think it's probably the same in even normal districts, typical districts that are brick and mortar is that the kids that want to succeed and are trying to succeed and have a goal are still going to log on and do it, and the kids that are always looking for an out are going to continue to look for an out in that so time. So were the students at your school more used to the technology and didn't have to adapt? I mean, they knew how to use their Chromebooks. They probably already had their Chromebooks. They did. I think that the biggest thing for them is that we work with a high trauma population, so the social aspect and the being, being able to come in and have a break from their home life is what they really look forward to with us. Yeah. So I think that... It was more of a social-emotional struggle for our kids than it was an academic struggle for our kids. And, and too, with the, the different population, you work with high schoolers. So how did your kids react to, you know, they couldn't have a graduation ceremony and they couldn't do all of that? And what did you guys do in, in those kind of terms? So we struggled really, really hard with what we were going to do for graduation. We typically do a really big, nice ceremony because we have smaller classes. So traditionally, we go to Wright State. We run out the Apollo room. We provide dinner for our kids and um, their families. And then we do a ceremony, and there's cake, and we celebrate. And it's, it's a really great time, and it's, it's a really great time just to celebrate our kids because yeah. typically they've not been celebrated up yeah. until that point. Um, so knowing that that wasn't going to happen or probably wasn't going to happen, we really struggled and we ended up doing, um, in our building, they, um, we did 15 minute time slots and the kids came in and received their diplomas one-on-one with their teacher and their teacher handed them their diploma. And, um, we had two professional photographers because we, (laughs) I know the dogs are like going crazy. We have, we have two professional photographers on staff. Um, so we had their pictures taken well that's handy yeah so they got a professional picture of them getting their diploma which i think we're still waiting to get those out with edits and stuff and then they got to go to the front of the building and they got a uh, family picture Um, so they got a professional family picture done which we thought might be nice because not all of our students can afford something like that sure um and then where we normally would do cake and food, we did gift cards for each student. Oh, that's um, cool. To local restaurants and and local like bakeries and stuff. That's so. really nice. Uh, Jess, I'm assuming in your with your school setting, the kids all had Wi. I mean, they have to have Wi-Fi to be able to function. But do you have any anecdotal evidence or stories? Because I know, like in Dayton public schools, a lot of the students didn't have Wi-Fi, and they were loading up school buses and parking them in neighborhoods so kids could do this. I mean, there was a huge adjustment to yeah, all this. Yeah, there's that digital divide that we hear about a lot. There, with. Yeah, so we are a one-to-one, and we provide our kids with Wi-Fi sticks that go along with their laptops that they take home. Oh, nice. Um, the big struggle, I think, was if the computers needed updates, because we use HPs and we don't use Chromebooks, although mm. we're transitioning this year. Um, so they have to actually be updated in person. 
So our tech guy actually spent a lot of time in the parking lot of our building meeting with parents to run updates on computers so that oh, he wow. could use the Wi-Fi from the building because we weren't allowed in the building. Um, so he would run the updates and they would pick the computers back up. Um, it, it definitely is a struggle. I mean, there's a lot of districts that aren't one-to-one and there are a lot of kids and a lot of parents that don't have Wi-Fi to begin with, especially, I mean, you talk about, you know, urban schools. Oh, yeah. But you also talk about rural districts out in like Southeast Ohio where there just isn't internet access out there. Yeah, that's true too. Um, Steve and I are getting ready to go next week. We're going out to town and the town that we're going to um, in upper the upper, upper peninsula of Michigan literally has a functioning one-room schoolhouse for grades K through 8 um, because there just aren't enough kids. So I I'm, would be really curious to talk to the residents of Copper Harbor and see, you know, what did their school look like? Because um, they're like, there's no Wi-Fi, there's no cell service, there's no anything out there. So, so that's a good point. I didn't really think about the rural kids. Yeah. So while Terry's going through that, my brother's going through that now. They don't have Wi-Fi at their house, and the school provided them a Wi-Fi hotspot mm-hmm. out through there. So, Pamela, you 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 had Wi-Fi, but your technology challenges were ad- adapt- <laughs> adapting to a Chromebook, which is different. If you're used to a, a PC versus a MacBook, MacBook and then going to a Chromebook, you had to learn how to do that to be able to help the kids, didn't you? Yeah, so I thought I was prepared. Um, we were actually lucky that the school district we were in, they were, were it wasn't a low income, but they do have a lot of low income families. So they were providing the hotspots if you needed it. So our, our school district, we were in Kettering schools before. They had a, one of the best plans, I would think, for, for the area. So we were very fortunate that the school reacted so quickly. Um, and I thought, you know, hey, I, I've got this. I, I did my grad degree online. Um, I, I work on a computer all day, every day. So I'm pretty savvy with it. And then I met the Chromebook. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, nothing, nothing humbles you more than being a grown adult. And who, being schooled by a twelve yeah, year old. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a new moment in my life. Um, something I that low. I yeah, it was a new low <laughs> because I, I work in a not an IT field, but a very IT heavy field. And um, yeah, I was <laughs> not in the right emotional state to have to ask my twelve year old how to download a Google Doc. Um, <clears throat> so the challenges, yeah, were really just learning. And it wasn't just um, one Chromebook. Each of the kids have a different, they're all on the same program, but they each have a different setup except for the kindergartners. Um, And then just the bandwidth. Um, I sit there all day um, and that's four Chromebooks eating away plus any streaming device. So, um, I mean, even our house has a Wi-Fi garage door. So all of these things are eating. We had to go purchase the gig of internet, the biggest thing we could get. Um, And we've you should have seen us when our internet went out the one day. Um, oh Lord, it, it was, was disastrous. So yeah, it, it's it's amazing how great technology is, but also there's a lot of improvements we still still needed to make, and we found a lot of gaps in our plan very quickly. Well, and I think that's a good point of how dependent. And we were talking to someone the other night about this of, of how dependent we are. If the internet goes out, how quickly things are going to shut down because. I mean, all our, our supply chain, everything is dependent on internet and yeah, this even, stuff happening. So even in the studio the other day um, at work, like we can't, we can't check clients in, we can't check clients out, like we can't do anything. Our internet went out the other day at work and luckily um, everybody, you know, we try to, when we book appointments, we try to get everybody's credit card on file and so like when the internet comes back on, we can go ahead and just charge it. But if we happen to have somebody come in for a session and whoever scheduled them didn't get their credit card number over the phone, like, guess what? You just got a free session because there's nothing that we can do about it. And that's so I'm going to remember that. (laughs) I know, right? Cut the internet line. Right. right? (laughs) What internet system are you on? (laughs) And I mean, that's just such minor, like small potatoes in the grand scheme of things that, oh, one, one massage studio is like not a big deal, but... But really, it seems like your internet goes out kind of a lot. And um, I, and it went out know. once, <laughs> but it, it was or it was it's a struggle. Slow. I think it's slow. Or like no. I've had I've had Kellen come down a couple times or be like, it's taking forever to load or this or that. And yeah. so I don't know I how much kinda, of that is her. I think part of that too is that these softwares that the traditional schools are using and that they're employing right now have never had probably this amount of users in the system at one time. Zoom has known issues for this, and that was one of the reasons that was overloading it. So those, I mean, those those softwares, servers are probably just screaming right now because, Mm -hmm. 
you know, from help eight, o'clock, eight o'clock to noon, all the East Coast gets on. And then probably noon, you start seeing a slowdown because then the West Coast starts getting on. Yeah, and at the East that Coast time. is finishing their schoolwork for well, the even day. Well, if you think about noon, like if, and you just if you're on at noon. skipped over flyover country. Well, yeah, <laughs> if you're like, if you're on at noon on the East Coast and it's eight o'clock on the West Coast, yeah. like that's the whole country then. Yeah. Well, all the East Coast kids should be at lunch right then, right? But yeah, but then in the afternoon, yeah, they're they're eating they're eating their burritos while I'm they're. I'm very very impressed. You think that we have that good of a schedule? So thank you. <laughs> very flattered. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's another thing. Like, oh how do you come up, or or do you have a schedule, or is it just like hang on when and somebody pray tells you you're hungry, you feed them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, we try to stick to a rough schedule. Like, I tell the kids they need up by 8, they need to get dressed, and they need to be on their computer by 9. Um, the exception is the oldest one. She has her first meeting with a teacher at, like, 8.15. Oh, wow. Yeah, so she starts earlier than the others. Um, I want to get more structured, but right now it's still just feeling everything out to where we don't really know what we're working on. Some days it's all science. Some days we get three subjects down. Um, and it's just a marathon and a scramble to get it done by the end of the week and be on track with where we're supposed to be. So they do. I make them wait till 1130 for lunch because they will come down. <laughs> How long till lunch? Every day. <laughs> Every day. You know that you just said something that made me think about something else. And Jess, it may not be a problem with your school because you are digital online. So the kids are used to being there. But in the rest of the district... With like the uh, reduced lunch, free lunch programs. Oh, yeah. How, how is the district handling that right now? So as far as I know, um, I know that I just got, I have a kindergartner that actually we, we chose to send in person. Um, and I know that her district is going to be starting on um, October 1st. Yes, October 1st, everybody in the district, no matter what their um, status is, will get free lunches. Oh, nice. Um, so they have a program for the virtual lunches. Now I can tell you that before we have we have kids that are hungry. It's just the reality of what I do, the population I work with. I have like a 75 to 80 percent poverty rate in my building. Um, so before we went on, um, before we closed down, we all had been buying up food to send home with kids. Um, so we sent home, I think, about 10 to 15 boxes of kids that we knew right off the bat that were going to need food. Um, we always do that at long breaks too, like Christmas and Thanksgiving. Um, and then I know that there was at least one time that I went out and personally bought and dropped off food for another student just because we know that that they need to eat. But yeah. the, most districts have a program where you could drive through um, this particular elementary had food staff out for virtual learners um, for right now. And then in the close down or the shutdown, they had it for anybody. Anybody could go get food that they needed to. Now, it's interesting you bring up that you sent your kindergartner. What is, do you, so you, when you hear Pamela talk about what it's like for her girls, do you, what kind of struggles are you experiencing as the parent of a kindergartner who, I mean, going to kindergarten is really hard as it is, like emotionally and especially like you guys are almost on opposite ends of the spectrum because Pamela, for you, it's your last ones. Jess, for you, it's your first one. So you are going through all of the, I would think, all of that like maternal, oh my gosh, my baby's going to school and so on and so forth, where Pamela's like, thank God, they're leaving the house. And yes. Surprise. <laughs> now you know I kept him home. Those are my last kids. <laughs> I so wasn't ready. I, I think had we not been on shutdown, I might have actually been more keen to keep her home longer. <laughs> but I mean, I was pregnant most of uh, it. Yeah, that's right. Um, I've, I've got a three-year-old at home. And then the five-year-old, and I, I really, the decision to send her was that she is the oldest and she needed a little bit more um, space, I think, and mm. a time where she could have her own time. I will say that she's having a different experience, though, than, she, than anybody, than her sisters will have in kindergarten because there's only 16 kids in her class right now. Oh, yeah, Which is small. a really, really small class. Um, and she has to wear a mask. So that was doing with that. She does. She's a pretty physical kid. She does really well. Um, This week she, she's had a cold. So she's had, she doesn't have COVID. Um, I took her to the doctor. I'm a good parent, but um, (laughs) she, um, 
we've sent her with extra masks, and she's went through almost all of them when she comes home. Ew, but so she like gets it all yeah, snotty. And she gets, <laughs> about Thursday, she hits her limit. I mean, it's tiring anyways to be going to school when that's not what you're used to. Is she going all day? She or, is all day, oh every day. Gosh. So about about Thursday afternoon when she gets home, she usually has like one good meltdown where she just like spews everything that's bothering her. Yeah. From I didn't like the lunch you sent me three weeks ago to. <laughs> Um, well, she is a little girl. Yeah. So so usually every Thursday, though, she she tells me how much she dislikes wearing a mask. I'm so tired of wearing a mask. Okay, so before we came down to record, we we ate a little bit, and we were talking about, and Pamela kind of touched on it with, like, the curriculum with kindergarten, like physics. I remember when I went to kindergarten, it was a half day, and the most I remember learning was one day they called us up to the teacher's desk, and she had 10 popsicle sticks and we had to count ten popsicle sticks, and we said, <laughs> and now, "Okay, go now play." The twins are learning, and they physics. caught up. And they caught up the next kid, and now these kids are learning. You didn't have to learn. You didn't have to show them you could skip Steve or Gallop or. No, there no. was this song <laughs> called "The Chicken Dance." Oh, Laura, the Chicken the, Dance again. The, the chicken, yeah, go you chicken, chicken. The fat. chicken fat song. Yeah, the chicken fat song. I think I know that one. You can yeah, go. It's you on YouTube. Fat, go. It's, oh, it's on YouTube if you it's really want to. <laughs> okay, so now. We, we, we kind of talked about how school closed down and how everyone reacted to that. And Jess, did you have to do anything to prepare over the summer or was it just a normal shutdown? Did you have to do anything with the kids like, hey, we're going to be doing this again next year? Or how, how did that go? Was it a normal summer? We, uh, well, for the administrators, no. So when the students were done, they were done. We did have a lot of students and families reaching out. Um, we had a lot of new students reach out wanting to enroll. Um, so we did do a lot of um, discussing if we were going to, how we were going to start the school year. The, uh, the difficult part was, is we just didn't know what, what August was going to look like, what the numbers were going to look like, what the governor might tell us that we had to do. So we kind of kept pushing it out, pushing it out. Where other districts were telling people in June what they were planning to do in August, we kind of kept pushing off what we were going to do because we didn't want to decide on something and then the health department come in and then completely just blow out of the water everything that we'd spent hours and hours and hours and days planning. Yeah, yeah that's something so, that I keep hearing from you know um, clients that are uh, teachers, friends that are teachers, is thing like the the whole schedule kind of shifted repeatedly is that something that you guys had to deal with or 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 was it kind of you had a little bit of an advantage being an online program to begin with so we made the the decision before I went on leave at the end of July that we were going to go ahead and open the school at the date we had already proposed that we were going to open mm. we are tied to a Hourly attendance rate is how we do attendance with the state, and that's how we're paid. And not a lot of people realize that online schools are are funded differently than traditional schools. Um, so we decided we we're going to go ahead and open because if we waited, we were going to have to push all the way into June to be done. And traditionally, our students start out really hot and heavy, and they do really great at the beginning of the year. And then by the time they get to, to April-ish, they're like, eh, I'm kind of over this, and I don't want to log on, and I don't want to do my work. And yeah. I want to go out and play because it's warm now, finally, after being cold for months. So Yeah. So, Pamela, did you have to do anything over the summer to prepare the kids, especially maybe the kindergartners, to prepare for online school or just jumped into it? And No, it was basically just an extended summer, but with school now. Um, no, actually, uh, we didn't even have to do a kindergarten assessment or the normal stuff because we just rolled right into it. So I think the school district was still trying to get their, their plan finalized because there, it was such a dynamic situation. So I don't think it was poor planning on the school. I just think they didn't know what to expect. So we, we, we're just now scheduling our kindergarten assessments, um, here in the next few weeks. Oh, wow. So do you, you had mentioned that they're doing physics. Like, do you think that part of that is because they didn't do kindergarten assessments and they don't really know where everybody's at? No. So my school district purchased a curriculum. Um, so it's like a prepackaged thing okay. through a third party. It's our, our teachers are the ones facilitating it. Um, so they didn't plan this curriculum. Um, it was just one that met the standards and that they had, it, we had heard good things about it. It's not a bad curriculum. It's easy to navigate. Um, I just, I mean, what do you put in a year's worth of online education for a kindergartner? So I, I just yeah. don't know if they started out a little, 
little too hot and heavy or if they, um, if, yeah. if, that, if they're going to get into different concepts or really where that came from, I would love to know because my kids are learning friction and that's a great, <laughs> great concept for a five-year-old. <laughs> I, especially your kids. Your kids have a little bit of a dark sense of humor. I can picture your kids being the one that like starts a fire to burn down the ant farm and like... <laughs> using their friction for maybe evil instead of good. Well, the good thing is they sit still and they pay attention to about 25% of it. So they're going to be on par with everybody else anyway. So it's fine. fine. Um, Do you, and I don't know if you know, do you, do they have like a designated online teacher or are the the same teachers that are doing the online curriculum, the same teachers that are doing the in-person? No, so our school district has a pretty good plan compared to what I've heard. Um, they they have a dedicated, they call it Bellbrook Online Academy. So they have BOA is completely, they're not separate. They're Bellbrook teachers and they still have some of the same stuff, but they are dedicated solely to facilitating the online program. That's nice. So for, for the sixth graders, she does have some combined classes with sixth, seventh, and eighth. Oh, wow. Um, so all the middle school teachers are, are covering over that, but they have like separate math levels and things mm. and, and her own curriculums geared towards a sixth grader. Are they still doing like... Um like art and gym and music and that kind of thing? So, yeah, we have PE. Um, the kindergartners don't have art, but the second go grader does. Chicken fat, go. Yeah, so, no, the PE, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm tired looking at this stuff that they want them to do. They're doing the president's assessment at five, which is running a mile. So sometime, sometime this week, um, <laughs> I will not be here. Stuff. The president, Kim, the president, I don't the know. I don't know. Friction <laughs> run a mile. He's creating like a little kindergarten army. No, but it's like, like the same. You don't remember doing the president's you didn't have to do that in like fitness club. In, in junior high, not in kindergarten. Yeah, not in kindergarten. <laughs> no. So I was, I, I opened this lesson today. And I was shocked when I read what they want us to assess a five-year-old. She has to, they have to run a mile. One minute so, of push-ups and one minute of sit-ups. Literally Almost. did not actually run a full mile until probably five years ago. Yeah, well, I'm not running it either. My husband's going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be here this weekend. I'll, I'll follow him on the bicycle. Right. But now, a, a minute ago, we, we talked about something. That it, interesting question. I think I noticed this with a lot of districts because a lot of districts, especially around here, didn't come up with their final policy till it seemed like last minute. Yeah. It, was that because, and I'll throw this out to either one of you, was that because they were waiting to see what was happening in other districts? Like, is a school going to shut down because we're going to have 500 cases of corona the first week, like a certain university did around here? But, of course, <laughs> your, your, your kindergartners are out there partying like these kids were either. But <laughs> I mean, know. It looks have like you met our, our kindergartners? Did, did the districts delay the final policy to the last minute to see how other school districts around the nation were reacting to this? I, I think so. I mean, I can't speak for us because we we went ahead and started mid-August. There are districts in other parts of, of Ohio that chose to start earlier in August, and then they built in where they're going to break from like Thanksgiving through after um, Christmas break, so they're not going to come back after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Pamela, um, when when were you given the option to to make your decision? Like when when did they present you? Here's the option. You have this much time to decide. Um, they they sent out a lot of communication over probably starting in July is when we started getting a little bit more option like details on the options. Um, school started the second week of August, but the online academy didn't start till September eighth. So. Um, the school was very transparent about what was happening. Um, they, I think a lot of the delay was that they didn't have all of the guidance. There was a lot of gray area. So, and Jess can probably speak to it more than I can. Um, but our, our school was very transparent on what was happening and they, they sent us weekly updates and what we could anticipate coming. Um, and when they decided on their final program, they mirrored what every other school in the county was doing. So they tried to keep in line with that. So was there input from the parents? They did. They actually sent out surveys. So it could be because our school district is up for a levy, but, um, (laughs) but they, yeah, but they've been very responsive. Um, and they said that they were offering the online and that to really to gear toward what's the geared toward what the parents wanted. That's good. Yeah. I think a lot of it was unsure too of governor DeWine is somewhat, being cloak and dagger with the way he he words things, and so nobody knows from week to week if he's going to come in and yeah. do a statewide shutdown again. And so everybody's really nervous to make a decision because 
when you make a decision, then you're making a decision for your whole population's parents who are at work and what they're going to do. And then if something changes the next week or even the next day, it's going to be human nature that they're going to be mad and they're going to be mad at you, whether it was your fault or not. Because you're the decision maker. So. Well, we, we hashtag Governor DeWine every every <laughs> yeah, episode we, we because do. I'm hoping maybe, maybe we'll get, get him on here to do <laughs> yeah. an interview with us. Well, and it's interesting, too, that you mentioned um, wording. I don't think a lot of politicians realize, and, and we are, uh, like, I'm kind of in an industry, too, that was affected by wording because... Our, what what I do, like the studio that I work at, we only do massages. We don't do facials. We don't do haircutting. We only do massage. And so a lot of the times, like we had a hard time with, he said, salons. We're not a salon. We're not a spa. We're like, and, and so I think a lot of times politicians don't think about these nuances and subtleties that really affect a lot of people until it's too late. Well, in defense of... The state. I mean, this is all oh, new. Oh yeah. And then I mean, I'm not criticizing he would, him at he would, all. They would put out stuff, but then before they would make decisions, they did go like for the restaurants. They went to the restaurant industry in Ohio, yes, absolutely, and got, and got their input on how to reopen safely. I am not criticizing Governor Dewine so, at all. And, I think and he's traditionally, done too, as best he can. But so, we want him on for an interview one well, day. Well, and, yeah. and typically, I think what what Governor Dewine was doing was he was talking to what we call the Big Eight um, within schools is. So it's the big eight districts so within what, the state. Oh, okay. Uh, so when you're talking to those big districts, they're the ones that are going to have Can the I most guess? people who are impacted. Columbus. I believe they're Cleveland, one. Cincinnati. Yeah. Akron, Akron. Toledo. Dayton. Toledo. Are big, I'm pretty pretty close. I mean, I'm not sure. I know that I know that Dayton Public is one for sure. Um, and Toledo and, and Columbus. And the big eight. Definitely, yeah. Sounds like a football conference. I know, right? I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. So right now, and it's it's kind of an unfair question because both of you are, Jess, you're virtual, but you do have kids come in. And Pamela, your kids are all at home. But Jess, for the kids, when they do come in, what are you doing in the school building right now to prevent the spread of virus? So right now we are actually virtual. Like we are completely out of the building. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, staff are in the building. We are We are looking at what we can do next quarter to start phasing kids in for like tutoring sessions. Um, we're still a little bit concerned about how we're, we want to pod kids basically mm-hmm. to keep them in groups because we are such a um, fluid environment. Mm-hmm. We typically have kids, even though they're, they're working on computers at their own pace, sometimes they'll move rooms. And so everything that we've worked to build that's worked for these kids that has not worked for them in the past um, is kind of at jeopardy. So we're, we're trying to, be who we are as much as we can without ruining that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're we're going to start slowly stepping into it. So when they do come back, though, kids will have to um, have assigned seats, which is not normal for us. Um, they'll only be... <laughs> Rupert's getting a good stretch in behind us. Um, there'll only be like one kid per table with a computer. They'll have to stay with their teacher. There won't be... Typically, we have a lunchtime where they play basketball and they socialize. So there won't be that social aspect which we feel is really important to our kids and who we are. So, are so. I would think especially with your kids because some of them have, I mean, at the at the risk of sounding like a jerk, some of them probably have a little bit of a record. And so it seems very prison-like. That's And we've always tried to not be prison-like. Yeah. That's well, that, typically what the kids say to me is school is a prison. Well, that's kind of a segue into my next question I have. And it may not affect you as much, but with you have information from other schools. How are the kids dealing with this? Are the counselors working overtime right now mm-hmm. with the kids? So I'm not really sure. I think that they probably are. Um, Ohio has been really big in the last couple of years with pushing social emotional awareness and education. It's one of those hidden curriculum things that we do as teachers that it's not part of the state curriculum, although now they're starting to weave it in. Um, I think they probably are. I think that um, if you're looking at the articles that are coming in from like Florida and stuff with teachers having to tell parents to put on their clothes and to stop stop appearing with large joints and yeah. that we might actually be seeing, everybody was really concerned about the impact of we, we call CPS as educators. Yeah, a lot. I was gonna say, is, but that, is that something now that you we're guys seeing look for? inside their house? And it's kind of one of those double edged swords like, 
what needs to be reported and what doesn't. And I think that's kind of where schools have went with the whole parents need to not be in the, the picture when the kids are in school um, so that we kind of limit the things you see. But when you see them, man, yeah. I bet you're seeing a lot more than this normal. Is, it's definitely the gap in the online program. Um, I have a good friend that her, her daughter is on an IEP and that's a huge void that they're not getting. They have intervention specialists. They set the time aside, but really how can it, that, that there's so much services that the schools offer um, that I think parents just f- forget to realize until you're the person that's facilitating this schools, especially for this is not just their social aspect. Um, my oldest had to see the guidance counselor quite frequently and she doesn't have that outlet um, right now. One of our guidance counselors is running the whole BOA program. So that person stretched oh in BOA, the Bellbrook yeah, online. Okay. Um, so they, um, that person is stretched incredibly thin and, and I can't speak from this side because we're, we're new to the district. So I don't know what services they offered, but it, it's just, you, there's so much, there's so many more layers to the school districts and what the schools do for the kids, the lunches, um, that support. There's a lot of things that we're not, you're missing that it's very two dimensional on these online programs. And that's one of, I don't regret it, but I do, you know, I do feel like my kids are missing this major piece of it. I wish. Is that something that you like, are you thinking about getting outside help? Like, are you thinking about getting a counselor, like having a counselor sending her to somebody um, (laughs) and and working with, or is it something that like, we're just going to get through this semester and then maybe in the next semester we'll send them back. Well, okay. So I am spoiled because in addition to being K through 12, the person that comes in to help us is an intervention specialist. So, um, we have one that she's a super, she's a superstar. I hope she hears this because we owe so much to her. Um, Shout out to Tori. Shout out to Tori. Um, so I, I do not have a typical one, but the second grader she's been, you know, we were looking at Kettering for a, she needed special considerations for time. She's being evaluated for autism and it's all frozen right now because it's not a factor with online. She can take her time and she's the one that's thriving. It's the ones that were my typical kids that are um, really struggling with it because they're missing that social aspect that my, my potentially autistic kid could care, couldn't care less about. So the flip side, we have kids that come in to us with IEPs that are, um, we are self-paced, so they, they thrive a lot. And we those behavior kids that come to me too typically do really well in our building because you don't have to sit facing forward and pay we, attention. Yeah. We, we have a very faithful listener in Pennsylvania, and Mitch works for CPS in the state of Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah. And I would love to have, if I'd known this was going this way, I would love to have Mitch call in. And, you know, we hear from your side as the educator. We hear from your side as a parent. I'd like to hear it. From Mitch. That would be awesome. So I know Mitch listens like every week. So Mitch, um, write to us, alosthour at gmail.com. He knows the address because he listens literally every week. Um, Mitch is seriously like our number one fan. So Mitch, write to us and we will- Mitch has a t-shirt. He does. We will address it on the show next week. Um, So like write something, like if- Mitch, write us a statement that we can read so that we can like read it on the show next week and be like, this is what CPS has to say. Yeah, because I remember- at the beginning, the teachers were trying to do clever things because, like Jess said earlier, you know, the teachers are going to see the bruises on the kids and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And so teachers were doing these slide little things like, can you reach up to the ceiling to see if there were bruises on the kids' arms and doing yeah. stuff like that? You know, it's not ideal, but I think these teachers uh, were doing you the best they amazing. could. They, they were doing the best they could. All of you are amazing. Like, teachers parents i we are steve and i are super spoiled by a me not being in the profession anymore and b not having kids at home like Woo-hoo! we we got off super easy i my hat is off to you guys because being first of all a working parent in the best of situations is always hard <laughs> like juggling i'm laughing juggling um like i know pamela your kids do soccer and the twins want to do gymnastics i know jess your kids are in swim and gymnastics and so being a working mom especially in the best of situations because like it or not like we are still in that society where a lot of the kids come to like mom first and dad second a lot of the time and Good so bad. <laughs> and so um, my hats are off to working moms because I know it is really, really hard. Let's not make assumptions. And especially 
working moms now who are having to, like in Pamela's case, relearn technology that you didn't know was <laughs> like, like how to use it. Or in Jess's case, like you have to take care of now an, an, an infant infant, a three-year-old, a five-year-old, and a bunch of high schoolers. And she's sitting right there or laying right there. Y- yeah, she's asleep. She's you know, so do you know who I want you to interview? Who's that? Whoever invented Chromebooks, because I have questions. <laughs> <laughs> See, and it's so interesting because I love my Chromebook. Like, that's what I use for, for my college courses. That's what I use for the show. That's I what we're all it. planning to use, but they're on severe back order right now. We've all I purchased can imagine. them. A lot of districts have purchased them, and they are they are nowhere to be found. We use Is Chromebooks it because they're work? cheap? Like <laughs> well, you can push out updates remotely. So for uh, us, that's huge. Yeah. If we have to work remotely, then the my tech person factor, can... The sharing factor on Chromebooks, it's so easy. Like, you just click a button and share, and it goes out to everybody, and everybody well, can and, see it and, and comment think, on it. And, thanks, Kim. I thanks. Think, <laughs> yeah. well, now, to be fair, like, I think I'm in my fourth year of us using Google Docs. I yeah. feel like we're on and an episode Google, of The so, View right now. <laughs> no, I, so, I mean, the token dude over We were there. ready. Like, we started with Google Hangouts and Google Meet first, and then we transitioned into Zoom. Um, so, and, yeah, I mean, they see, both got their, their merits. Yeah. Um, See, and I've Zoom not used sometimes, any of the Google Zoom stuff, Sometimes so. I have to, I have to uninstall and reinstall my okay. computer. Let me let me ask one question here. Yeah. And Jess, you'll have to answer this one. Has the state thought about state testing and oh, how that and how that's going to happen? Big question. Or if I'm bringing this up first, and they said, "Oh crap, we really need to think about this." Uh, so she had to pour a second drink for that question. <laughs> um, they so. As far as I know, and, and that's the thing, is that I, I don't it's, know. It's three, as far as I know, counting. I don't know. I believe that the state is thinking about it, but as far as I have heard, it's all systems go. The The hard part there is that the state testing leads into the federal report card, and yeah. if the federal government and is funding. really pushing testing, and it's my understanding that the legislators are really pushing testing. Um, I don't think a lot of people realize that, is that most of the things that are happening in schools are being pushed down from politicians mm. that are voting on them in Senate and the House and and those things, and then we are the we're kind of the rock and the hard place people. So in uh, the state of Ohio, you get tested two times in high school, right? No, it's different now. It's different now. There's a lot of milestones uh, that they have. It starts in elementary school, uh, but but for well, high school I, now, no, I'm, I'm specific, high, high school. school trans- I thought it was tenth yeah. and twelfth grade. No, so high school transitioned out of. Um, it used to be ninth grade proficiency test, and then I believe we mm-hmm. were the last year for that in high school, and then it was the 10th grade Ohio graduation test. And then a couple I years ago, the I know, baby, it makes me want to cry too. Um, <laughs> and then now they do what they call end-of-course exams or um, Ohio State test, depending wow. on the district. And you're tested in um, algebra, geometry, English 9, English 10, government, U.S. history, and biology. And you have to be proficient or at least score it's it's I have flow charts for this. I'm not even going to try to get into it because it really is a flow chart situation. But now starting for the class of 2021 or 2022, they have different um, requirements to graduate that require oh only two gosh. state tests. So, it's so this like, has been a question that we've asked and my friend that lives in the neighborhood that also picked the online option. We know like, I think it's either second or third, there are tests that they're set to do. So we've asked, how does this impact us if we're online? Like, do we have to still go in for testing and we can't get answers? And then just last year, you were able to bypass, you got, they weren't requiring it. The, the state did bypass the, um, cause they're given in the end of March and April. Well, the state waived a lot so of they, stuff. Yeah. You can get liquor to go now at the store Amen, too. Yeah, brother. I mean, you can. Um, but yeah, they, they bypass testing, but it is my opinion that the tone is that that is going to be a one-time deal because legislators feel that testing is the end all be all student achievement. I think one thing to take away from all this, aside from the medical side of the, the virus and how it spreads and how to treat it. There are so many things that spread. It's so complicated. There are so many like hogs. And so we're getting, I think we're probably getting close to an hour. We're not? Okay. Um, Producer Steve over there. I I guess I just like. I could talk for five hours. What do you, so what do you think, Jess, going forward from an educational standpoint, do you think all of this is going to change um, the way schools function? We talked last night, well, and we talked at the beginning of the COVID pandemic on the show about how, 
Um, this is going to change the landscape for a lot of industries. And it may be, especially from a financial standpoint, it may be cheaper to educate the kids from home now, but at what cost? So do you think there's going to be a shift in the way that we run our educational systems? So there's been a slow shift for, I mean, I've been with my online district for almost 10 years now. Um, I started as a, as an intervention specialist. I'm an, I'm a special ed teacher at heart. That's who I am. Um, so we, I started there 10 years ago. We are, they're going almost 20 years strong, um, as an online school. So this shift, I mean, so this shift has been slowly happening. I think that this is going to push. They were using people, Apple two yeah. C's back then. They were, I mean, they were using some Tandy those, 1000. Like, those like apples that were like colored and stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. They were using those bad boys. Like they used to send home the Apple desktops with kids. Oh my gosh. Um, but I think that the shift has been slowly coming and like any profession change is difficult and hard for everybody involved. Um, so I think that it's not, I don't think that it's, it's going to be a one size fits all kind of situation. I think for some people it'll work, especially for maybe high school. I don't know that elementary is going to catch on. I mean, kindergarten, I couldn't imagine that, that as a, some parents will always choose it because they can be home and they can just be with their kids. But I think that for some kids, it's never going to be a good option. I hope if anything, it just gives us more options. Like even, even when, you're faced with like a, like a student that gets like an extended disease or like something where they have Mm -hmm. to be out of school a lot, or they want to go visit family. This gives us a lot more mobility. Um, hopefully that now that the schools are a little more geared up to have this infrastructure, it it matches more what the professional settings turn into because, um, with my job, I've always really had that option to take my laptop home. And if I'm sick, I can go work from home with no impact to the company or anyone's health. Why can't kids have that too now that we have that infrastructure built? We're, we're, we're in the 21st century now, and yeah. there's so many people who are going to be traditionalists. No, the kids got to go to school and walk sure. 10 miles uphill each way and <laughs> Both stuff ways, like that. Yeah. But time is changing. I had this discussion with my mom the other day about specifically the kindergartners and the laptops and stuff like that. And I, I just said, you know what? This is the world they're going to have to live in. And, this. you know, times change. And, you know, it would be nice if, you know, a lot of people would like for us still to have a piece of chalk and be writing on a blackboard, but that doesn't do the kids any good because that's not the world it's they're going to have to function in one kind day. kind of funny that you mentioned that because I literally, the other day we were going to get coffee and I literally saw a chalkboard, like a wall chalkboard that belongs in a school classroom out on the edge of the curb, free to a good home. And, and that it just, I don't know, it kind of, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was an interesting sign of the times that that's, you know, it's, it's something that probably cost several, at least hundred dollars is now just out on the curb with the trash, like for somebody to take. Um, but Pamela, the, I guess the other side of that coin is from a parent standpoint, do you view education any differently? Do you view um, technology any differently? Do you view teachers and their responsibilities any differently than you did six months ago? So... I mean, there was a lot of things that I knew having known. I mean, Jess has been my best friend for, I don't even want to count the years now. Yeah, that's true. So you grew I, up in a family of so teachers. So I grew up too. around teachers, but so I had an appreciation to begin with for the education field, but you don't really realize what it's like to sit down with a kindergartner and try to walk through some of these concepts um, as a parent. Um, and there's just so many, like the layers that I talked about that schools provide that I mean, I've always had a healthy respect, but it's a whole newfound sense of respect for what teachers are doing, especially right now with so many unknowns, the ones that had to go back that you have to be in the classroom that we're still afraid of, you know, I'm, I'm going to be now exposed to 25 kids that are already germ factories and, yeah, and now it's in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, I remember yeah. a few years ago um, and that's also that, that level of, you know, kindergarten teachers, kids are, kids are very touch they oh, want to yeah. touch you. Yeah. They and love. it's hard if you can't, if you're used to being able to help oh, yeah. your kids Yeah, the back. teachers themselves are probably um, missing a huge aspect they, of their they job. Really are. I mean, from my perspective, though, like I am a teacher and my kid needed to go to school because I cannot teach my own kid. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that oh, yeah. too. That I, Yeah, that's an, a whole other side of things. It's like it's a lot easier to teach other people's kids, I would think, than yeah. to teach your own kid. Oh, like, for sure. You, but, because you, there's just a different dynamic. Like your kids know where your buttons are and they know when to push them and they know again, how far to go. Miss Tori's a saint. But, <laughs> but you know what? Some good has come from it. And dad brought up 
good points, Steve, for those of you, <laughs> for those civilians in the room, my father over here, um, they're basically, we're managing their stuff just like all they're missing is an Outlook calendar and full-blown Zoom meetings. But this is how yeah. my day-to-day profession is. It's full of a schedule and a computer and I have to get objectives done and no one's there to tell me this time from this time. I don't have these typical classrooms and I have to function within this little 12 by 12 device. Um, and all of my communications are in, and that's kind of how the platform was. So now my five-year-olds are learning to function off of this. And those are valuable skills that they're going to need is because this isn't going away. I think this is is great. Childhood. I don't know. I think that it's giving children more freedom if nothing else. I mean, think about the possibilities if everything's online and your family wants to go see Niagara Falls and they don't have to miss school and they don't have to deal with the state's arbitrary truancy laws for do being you, gone. Do and your girls get outside as much as they did pre-pandemic? Like, do they go oh, outside and play and, I think and all of that kind of stuff? Mine do more because now we've got a little less structure so I can send them, if they're being wild, There's, you know, they're not stuck to that time clock. Now, this isn't permanent for us. My kids are absolutely going to go back to a classroom, so they'll still get that experience, but... I'm glad they also had the flip side too, because um, maturity wise, I'm not even sure that the twins were ready for it because they struggle to sit still. So right now we do have that luxury of you need to go do some flips in the basement. You need to go outside and run around for a little bit and then come back. And that's not something that I think that they were prepared for to sit in a classroom yet. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this will probably surprise you coming from me because you know how I am and I'm very traditional about a lot of things, but when it comes to kids education and stuff like this, I think this is really good. I mean, there's going to be a lot of learning and a lot of learning curves, but this is how these guys are going to have to function in the future. And we, I think we need to get out of this traditional, you have to go sit in the classroom for eight hours and you got to do this and you got to do that. This opens up so many possibilities for learning. Like, like going to Niagara Falls. I always talk to my, my high schoolers too about, you know, especially because we have to do attendance meetings when kids miss a certain amount of hours. And I always say, Part of school is not just the academics because a lot of kids are like, the academics is so easy. I could just be done tomorrow. And I'm like, well, then let's do it. But school isn't just about the academics and even yeah. online school. It's about learning how to follow directions and, and follow steps. Each time, give deliverables. Yes. And that's those are those soft skills that a lot of, a lot of adults are missing because mm-hmm. when they were in school, it was just always told to them what to do. And then you get out of school. I was one of those kids. I struggled in college because... I high school was easy for me. Everybody told me what to do, and I just did it. Okay, so fine. we're we're coming up onto an hour, but oh. that really brought up another <laughs> thing because we yeah we're over an hour, but that's fine. But one one last question here because we're talking about type of jobs and skills that that we're used to and that we do. But what is going on with the tech schools? Because you can't send a kid to tech school like to be a welder, or you know a lot of the, a lot of the girls will go to school to be like dental hygienist, you can't do that online. So how is that happening right now with like, say the tech schools? So I don't work within a tech school, but it's my understanding that they went ahead and started with a modified schedule. Um, I think that what I heard the, our counties doing is that they're bringing in the juniors into their tech labs and classes certain days a week. And then the, the seniors come the opposite days and then they'll switch. Um, It's semester. Yeah. I think that's what I heard. Yeah, here's my PSA with this. We need kids to go to college. We need kids with uh, yeah, college degrees. We need doctors. We need lawyers. We in- need engineers. We need social workers. We need kids with those skills that you're going to pick up with college. But we can't throw aside the tech school because we need we need a generation of people to go we out there. We need child care workers. We need mytho- massage therapists. We need cosmetologists. We need electricians. We need all of these tech school things. But I think what we're learning, though, too, is that there's a lot of flexibility that we have. And even the trades, Joe's an electrician. Um, so here's my shameless plug to tech schools. Um, he makes a lot more money than I do. Um, <laughs> yeah. He... Uh, I mean, but they put work orders all through an online system. He Everything he does is also on a computer, too, to manage it. So, I mean, trades are important, and absolutely college isn't the only route, but the technology and some of the things that are coming from this, you need that in everything that you do. Um, it, it's, it's just an underlying part of our life to have this technology there. And here's another shameless plug. If you need a good job skill, 
go see your army oh recruiter. Oh, my gosh. Okay, that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> Technology is not going away. You cannot hide from you, it you can, it's, it's not. It's here. You may it's, as well learn here. how to use it, it and adapt to it and master fully it. Fully entrenched in everything. Even in the army, we have an app now. Yeah. Go so, on the app. <laughs> just about so, ladies thank you i think this is going to be one of those shows that it is that i think needs to be listened to oh yeah absolutely. and if nothing for posterity that you know we're going to listen to this maybe in five years i hope people are listening to it in five years and go back and remember what was going on so thank you for being guests tonight pamela any last thing you want to say oh no just interview us after the semester and let's see how fast that bottle of bourbon goes away <laughs> jess um i would say you know don't don't underestimate what online schooling can be. Yeah, a lot yeah, of times absolutely. I see um, parents just nonstop. We know that online schooling doesn't work, but that that's not the case. There's a lot of us out here that, that know that it is a successful yeah. and viable option. Just because it doesn't work for you doesn't mean that it might not work for something else. So absolutely. Don't, don't, uh, don't underestimate us out there. Woo, uh, online degrees. Right? Right? Yep. Yeah. All right, Kim. So how does how do how do they get hold of us all right, so if, if they've got questions? Yeah, if you want to write to us, um you can find us um you can find us on all the social medias, Twitter, A Lost at A Lost Hour, um, Instagram and Facebook, an hour of your life, and you can write to us on Gmail at a lost hour at gmail.com. Great show, great topic. Yeah, Thanks, I ladies, really for being here being with here. us tonight. Thanks Thank for you. having me. All right. Special cameo by Maggie May. Yes, <laughs> and you may sleeping. have and you may have heard Rupert shake and yeah, everything yeah, it else. A, it was a noisy episode, but it that's all right. A, that's fine. That's what it's all about here, here with us. That's my life yeah. <laughs> story. Yeah. So, from our studios in Sugar Creek Township, thanks for spending an hour of your life with us. Mm-hmm.